You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, um, what I'm going to do is something, since you know, we, we have a limited amount of days this week, but I don't believe I'm trying to just you know um, have fun. I, I think I am giving you some fundamentals here. I, I, I want to show you the whole Mishnayot uh, of this chapter, and that's why I sent it as part of the email. And here it is, as you can see. This is the uh, the whole Mishnayot of actually uh, of all brachot. And let's make it a little larger. And we can take a look here, and we see the very first Mishnah and Shas. Um, when do you say Kriyat Shema at night? You can see it, Meimetai Karnat Shema Ba'aravin. And the second Mishnah um, is, is an extension of the last words of the first Mishnah. Rabbi Gamliel Omer Shachar. Rabbi Gamliel said, you can say Kriyat Shema until the dawn. That means the night Kriyat Shema can be said till the dawn. And then the very second Mishnah, we have Maaseh Shabo Banami Beta Mishnah. And his sons were involved in a story, and he told them what to do. Uh, and he told them to read Kriyachma, as we see, uh, like his opinion. Even though the earlier opinion, as you can see, is Al Chatzot or uh, even earlier. So Gamliel is, is, like I said, he's, he's <laughs> in this Masechta, his name shows up a lot. And what he would tell you to do might be a little bit different. Okay. And then, in fact, Rabbi Gamliel continues talking in the next Mishnah, Lozu Bilvad. <laughs> so he was actually, this is all Gamliel's, this is Gamliel at the end of Mishnah Aleph, Gamliel totally Mishnah Bet, and then Gamliel completing it, uh, Mishnah Gimel, and then going into Mishnah Dawid. So Gamliel, in many ways, the Nasi of Klal Yisro, uh, is giving hadracha in terms of these mitzvot. Okay, so that, that's, I just want to show you in the very beginning of, 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 of Shas, it, Rav Gamliel is, is, is laying, and as, as the Gemara points out, Gamliel was not, he was explaining the opinions of others and the opinions of himself. Okay, so that's just an introduction. If we go to our Mishnayot, the ones that we have been looking at. And again, people will say, why are we studying this and what are we studying? Okay, this is the Masechta that deals with Kriyat Shema. But as you can see, and again, looking at it, and I did this with Shiva last week, but you can take a look at the Mishnayot that end these last couple of pages of the second parak of Brachot. Here they are. Bet Dalet, Bet He, Bet Vav, Bet Zayin, Bet Chet. Okay. Let, let me... I'm not just involved here in a scholastic exercise. Many times the way to get a sense of where I am is to look, is to have, like I said, have uh, Tanakh ready with you. Jastro, also good. Also have Mishnayot ready with you. Sometimes the Gemara is is so deep, it's a labyrinth, like I said, a sugya, like a road that's winding. Sometimes it's worthwhile to take a look at the Mishnayot that the Gemara is sort of like working with. So we look at the Mishnayot in, in, in our section, 
we see the first one, which is obviously all about, as I said uh, last week, or maybe it was already two weeks ago, I think, um, the interplay between Kriyat Shema and Tefillah. This was the first Mishnah that, that emphasizes the difference between the two. And I see this Mishnah as the, as, as the, as, as the place where Brochot goes from pure Kriyat Shema laws into Tefillah laws. And eventually we have Perak, like I said, the fourth and fifth Perak are completely about Tefillah. So this is the beginning of sort of introducing Tefillah as an, as an essential topic in the Mishnayot. I know it sounds overscholastic, but th- that's really what happens here. Now, once the next Mishnah is what we just read about the Chatan being potter from Kriyat Shema, and here you see in the Mishnayot the, the, how they uh, spoke to him. But look at the next Mishnah. The very next Mishnah, which is on the next page of the Gemara, we are suddenly not connected to Kriyat Shema or Tefillah at all. Let's take a let's read it together. That's the same Rabbi Gamliel. He he took a a a he washed himself warm water. He was the Nasi. You'd figure he definitely had the wherewithal to have a nice hot bath to wash his body off the night that his wife had died. <laughs> Going from you know love to death. Right, the very last Mishnah before that, we talked about when he married his wife. He might have had many wives, and might have been the same wife. I don't know, but we talked about the night that his wife, that he married his wife. He said Kriyachma. The night that he buried his wife, the next Mishnah, he took a hot bath. And once again, when you're a public figure, just ask Trump, who loves being a public figure, right? People are going to ask you, okay, Umrulo. They said the same thing. Lo limaratenu, didn't you teach us? Once again, the same term as you can see up here. Didn't you teach us? Sha'avil, well, I guess that is the old Mishnayot way of writing avil. Avil, oser milachot. An avil is not allowed to take hot baths. An avil is supposed to not wash. We know about this when comes the nine days, of course. Right? And avil doesn't wash. An avil doesn't take baths. And here you are taking baths. Omer lehem, he said to them, Aini kishar kolodom. I am not like other people. Okay? Look at the, look at the parallel. The Mishnah before, Aini shomea lechem, levatamimeni. I am different. I don't, I'm not going to let you get malchot shamayim, push me away from malchot shamayim. Once again, he says, Aini, I'm not kishar kolodom. I'm not like other people. I didn't mean that he's great in this case. But he said, he explained why, istanisani. Okay, it's probably a Greek word uh, that got itself into Mishnaic language. We know what it means. It means somebody who actually is extremely sensitive, physically very sensitive to cold, to heat, to being sweaty, um, very, um, and, and to the point that if you look this up, we can do this. We don't have much time. I mean, you can look this word up and see how it's used. It's almost to the point of emotional pain. You know, people that are OCD. There's a lot of ways you can explain what an istinus is. But it's, it's, it isn't just, 
I like feeling good in the shower. I like, I just, nothing makes me feel better than a good hot shower. No, that, no, an istinus is someone who's actually, um, he is, he is, he is distraught by being in that state. So again, Hanach, you know, you have to know, what does that mean, you're sensitive? I, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to point out. I think when Gamliel said it, he said, Eine kishar kolodam. Most people aren't this way. <laughs> Nobody likes being sweaty and, and, and disgusting, right? I don't think so. Again, pig pen and, the, and, the, and others. Okay, you do have some exceptions of people who revel in, in their, their schmutz. But um, istinus is something, is, 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 a, is a unique situation. Um, and again, what I'm saying now is not so popular because, uh, as you know, Rav Hankins, Atzal, and others wanted to say that we're that today's time we've all become like the istinists of the of the previous generation of of this era. In other words, our um, worries about hygiene, maybe today for sure with the with 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 COVID, but our worries about hygiene, our worries about things have turned us all into istinists. At least, Rav Henkin said, in terms of taking hot showers and bathing, uh, I heard from other post-Gimena Eretz Yisrael, uh, uh, similar ideas uh, that istinus, and that's why people have a heter to take showers during the nine days and things like that. But when Gamliel was saying it, he definitely meant, uh, 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 in my mind, I'm willing to take Rav Henkin's heter, by the way. I might, I, I might disagree with him in terms of whether this is true, whether this type of, I hate it, I'm so much in pain. It's it's like bugging me every minute that I'm not, I don't know if that's true. I'm willing to take Rafaikin's after, and I think people should take advantage of it because it's a Dinder and he's, you know, but I think when Gamliel was saying it, he says, I'm not like other people. This is a different situation. I need that, that hot bath. Okay. And we look at the very next Mishnah which in our Shas is put together, we then have another sort of related topic, but nothing to do with Kriyashma, which is Kishemet Tavi Avdo. When Tavi, his servant, died, Kibul Alav Tanchumin. Okay. So when Tavi died, Gamliel, uh, people came in to see the Godol Ador, the Nasi of Klau Yisrael. And he understood they were coming to him because they recognized that his faithful manservant, Tavi, um, had died. And they had an incredibly close relationship. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, um, where we see that. I mean, you have to know Shas and other places where it's mentioned. But Kibul Alav Tanchumin, he the simple way to translate this would be he said Shiva, or uh, basically people came to him in order, recognizing his loss. And, and this is really something quite beautiful because, I don't know if they put up an announcement, you know, Tavi is sitting Shiva, the phone call, you know, I mean, uh, Gamliel was sitting Shiva and everybody had to say, okay, when am I coming? It was like a recognition that something, a, a terrible loss had occurred for Gamliel. And when people came to see him, uh, he assumed the position of someone who had lost a close relative. 
And when people said specific types of words, like like the Sephardim say, like we say, he nodded, he sat there, he went through the motions as someone who had lost a close relative. And that was the Godel Ador, the Nasi, Kibo Alav Tanchumin. So once again, this was considered a little bit contradictory. So if we look at the three Mishnayo together, we have the Mishnah that uh, here where he, his, 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 his actions on the wedding were different. His actions the day his wife died, the night after his wife died were different. And now we have a third action, which is different, which is that he allowed himself to be publicly comforted because a slave of his had died. Amrulo, once again, his students who are surrounding him said, didn't you teach us that you do not allow yourself to, to have this type of connection and and relationship with a slave that and again we'll talk about why. So once again, Umar Laham, here he didn't say I'm different, but he said the slave is different. Ain Tavi Avdi Kishar Kalavadim. My Evid Tavi is different than Kishar Kalavadim. The same way he's different than Shar Kalavadim, <laughs> which is what he said in the Mishnah before. Ain Tavi Avdi Kishar Kalavadim. He's not like other Avadim. Why? Kasher Haya. Um, again, literary in a literary manner, I, I look at this and say, this is the present. This is he's speaking about Tavi as if he's alive. My Tavi is not like other slaves. He was Kasher. <laughs> so it's almost like he's still alive. He still has an existence. And in his past, he was Kasher. He was Kosher. Okay. Um, what did I, what, why am I doing this with you? What I'm doing with you is, is that because when you look at this in the Gemara, <clears throat> when you look at this on the Gemara page, and I'll show you what I mean, you do not get the Mishnah. Looking at the Mishnayas gives you a, a whole different literary look at it. Here's the, here's the Gemara page. Okay. So here's the Gemara page we did the other day. And we started, of course, a couple weeks ago, whenever it was a week ago, with this Mishnah, uh, May 11th, I think it was. I think so. I'm not sure. Maybe May 18th, I think. So we started with this Mishnah, and we did this Mishnah. And then we got involved in this Gemara, which was very interesting about the sociological implications. Okay, go, then we had the Gemara on Gamliel's actions, and a whole discussion here, which I'm not going to do with you, which is about Osek b'mitzvah, patur mina mitzvah, how do you get out of doing mitzvot when you're involved in another mitzvah, a whole discussion here about that. And then when you get to the next page of the Gemara, which when you turn the page, you turn the page to the next one, uh, you get the Mishnah, the ones that we just did, and this actually bunches the Mishnah that we just were reading. Now, it bunches them in a way 
that you sort of your eyes sort of do not differentiate. It's like it's like it gets thrown at you. Okay, Rishona. Okay, now Kishemes Tavi Avdi. Then another thing, right? Um, so just looking at it in a split way, looking at it separately already allows you to see things that looking at it in a compressed way does not allow you to see. A very simple thing I'm I'm trying to point out. Sometimes, again, the the macro perspective allows you to see more. If you look at this page, again, I think the average person would see this uh, and, and, and not chew it over. So sometimes looking at the Mishnayos gives you a different a different angle, okay. Um, so that's that's the first thing I I, I want to bring out. Now, let's talk about the um, we talked about istinus a little bit. What I want to talk about, and I think is probably a, a good thing. It's a good thing to discuss, and it's a difficult thing to discuss. Because, uh, you know, I, I want to actually, since we only have a couple of days here at Shavuot, I'm going to go back to it. But, but, but I want to I bring out with you something which, 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 again, is probably the strangest thing here in, in these Mishnayot that we just did. Now, if I'd ask if, if you guys be, if, I, if you'd be in my classroom, and I'd say, all right, um, if I tell you that he's an istinist, he needs to take a bath, you understand that, right? Um, but what probably the, the average person doesn't understand is what was going on with his relationship with Tavi and why there is, what, what, what is this idea that we do not take Tanchumim over, uh, over an Evid? What is, what's the rationale? What's going on there? Uh, with that idea. Um, I, I think that, although it has nothing really to do with Talmudic um, proficiency, as I said, I, I think yes, I do. I, I believe that there is something to be gained and, uh, when you look at a Mishnayot, when you look at a Gemara and it's, and it's you gain a lot by reading the Mishnayot and the whole parak. For example, let's say you decide, I'm going to study Mesech Brochot, and I'm going to go from cover to cover. A good idea would be to do the Mishnayot of Mesech Brochot. I know, Henech, you do learn Mishnayot a lot, and I think that's a very important thing. I think in general, and also allows you to form a familiarity in your own conceptions about where this Masechta is going. It, it, it gives you, right, and, and the Rambam and others, before they began um, uh, what they considered a complex area of study, they would give an introduction. Now, you, you can do that as well. I, I find that sometimes to be um, difficult. In other words, uh, but the Mishnayot is a good introduction to any sort of learning you're going to do. So if, if you are planning to, I'm going to have a Chavrusa, let's say you and someone else, I'm, we're going to learn Mishnah, we're going to learn Mesechta's Moet Katan, we're going to learn Mesechta's Beit. You take a small Mesechta, let's say. The first thing you might want to do is go through all the Mishnayot. 
And that might take you two weeks, but it's still going to help you and it's going to give you incredible familiarity. Look, I, I, again, I, I'm sort of going off topic, but you all know, of course, the famous, uh, the Mishnah in Avot that says 10 years old is when you should do Mishnah. 15 is when you should do Talmud. Uh, as you know, there is Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael that follows this. Um, and it's in the, it's in the old city. Um, Rev Silverberg, I think, uh, is, is, is his yeshiva. Um, it's uh, a Teres Kohanim, perhaps, is the name. Avrami, you might remember better than I. I've been in that yeshiva, and it's I... Silverberg? Silverman, I think. Is that what it is? Is it Rev? You know what I'm talking will. about, right? Yeah. And yeah, I, I have students uh, who, again, many students who have gone way past me, but one of them was uh, in that yeshiva, and he told me he actually married the nephew, the niece. I'm sorry, married the nephew. Married the niece of of, of the yeshiva, and he became part of the, the yeshiva. And he didn't have this background, and he says he was learning with these guys, and they were tremendous. First of all, they knew Tanakh cold <laughs> because Tanakh was introduced to them from five. From ten, they knew Mishnayos. When they started learning Gemara at fifteen. They were armed. I mean, they were locked and loaded, <laughs> so to speak. So, again, we're all playing catch-up. We're playing catch-up in like a million different ways. But one of the ways we can play catch-up, I think, is by learning, going back to the Mishnayas, forming our own understanding of the material. And then that's a great intro. So that's a, a good point. Anna. So what, when I look at this Mishnah in terms of of you know the 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 aspect which I would say is not humane or negative and seems to be is okay. Don't be makabot on human on an eved. Um, you know, you know my daughter, uh, uh, not Bachi, but 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 Rina. Um, they they had a dog for for six years, um, and uh, he died. And we were we were very close to the dog, and she was she went through a tremendous mourning period over losing something so close to her. Um, and I remember when when um, when the dog died, um, and it was a sudden death. Really, we weren't expecting it. You know, me and my wife got in the car and we were going to drive down 200 miles to, 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 to before they, of course, they had a baby, but we we're going to go drive down 200 miles to, because we realized the pain you're going to feel for that. Again, she wasn't going to sit Shiva, but, it, but we know that when you get close to something, there's a mourning process and, 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 and to be sensitive when somebody, um, you know, loses someone. I remember, you know, um, in a similar vein, when you know i was raised by my grandmother my mother was working i had a very close relationship with my mother as well but my grandmother was my mom in so many ways she waited for me she cooked for me she was she was the rock of my life and um when when my grandmother passed away i was i stayed uh, later in in memphis and and I was there for the whole shiva and dealt with a number of other issues. 
And I remember when I came back to Koilil, and I came back, I was learning in Koilil at the time, and there was another fellow there in the Koilil, it's considered a very Choshim Atamut Chochem, bigger Atamut Chochem than me, I, I guess, in some ways. Uh, at least, you know, I'm sure he shtagged over, and he said to me, what, you were close to your, were you close to you? Like, like he was surprised that I had taken so much time off. I wasn't sitting shiv, it's a grandparent. And I remember how, how insensitive I felt the question was. I said, well, 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 you, you close to her? Like, what? You know, like, like, well, look, you know. So, so I believe part of this is, 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 is to me, I mean, I, I understand how you could create a bond with someone. And here we're saying, you know, so what, what, what's really going on here? So I'd like to look at this piece of Gemara for a minute with you. So again, let's talk about Tavi dying. So let's take a look at this. So we start with the second wide line here, okay? So second wide line, here we go with the, these words here. We know what that is, of course. Abraita. Right? Abraita somewhere. We don't know exactly where it is, but it probably has to do with the laws of Shiva, the laws of Avelut. So, avadim ushvachot ein omdim aleim bishura. That when now this now when you look at something like this, you know that you're dealing with something that is no longer common, but we do have something like it, right? Ashura is a row. We know that that's what happened. Rashi lets us know what that means, but even those of us that have been involved in a shiva, or I'm sorry, at a funeral, know what the shura is. Rashi explains it. So let's see Rashi. When people would go back from the cemetery, so basically you'd go back from the cemetery, there was a certain spot in town, and you would create rows of people's bodies. And the Ove would see himself on both sides by the community. The community would be on both sides. Now, but we can't do this with COVID, unfortunately. Right? They would give him Tanchumim at that moment. There's at least 10 people there. So, Maybe they could do social distancing today with this, but So basically, this was a very, a, 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 an important aspect that here you have 10 people that were Makadashem Shamayim with 10 people. Here they were telling the Avail the very moment after the funeral, it's the first moment of Nechama. And the first moment of Nechama is with a Shura. Okay. The next statement, Ve'ein omrim alehem birchat avelim. All right. Now, once again, right, Henoch is right. We do the same thing. We do it at the cemetery. That's correct. Um, the next thing, now, what is this? You know, Rashi knows that a bracha of an avel 
You don't say aleim. First of all, the aleim is going on what? The aleim is on the evid, right? Um, the aleim is for the evid or the shivcha. They don't get that. In other words, who's going to be the avail, so to speak? Well, it's not going it, to. It might be their children. That could be, um, because remember, these are slaves. Okay, these are slaves. They are technically Jews, but they are so they're owned by someone, right? They have children, right? The children are essentially owned as slaves as well. Uh, they have wives, right? Um, so and they die. They are Jews, and they are buried like Jews, right? Think about it again. We don't have slavery today, but but think about the idea. There are avodim bishvachot. This is not about an evid ivri. These are avodim knanim, as they're called, right? Most of these people uh, came into the fold through war, through being conquered, um, right? Uh, being right. That's how it happened, uh, right? And they became absorbed, and many of them stayed slaves for hundreds and hundreds of years. There was no great emancipator for them. We didn't have that, right? There was never any great movement in Judaism to out to ban slavery. Now, one of the reasons why, you know, I'm sort of like, you know, stirring the pot here unnecessarily, is the slavery was not like the antebellum South. There was no cru- it wasn't cruel. You couldn't be cruel uh and 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 and, and, and treat them in this heartless, terrible manner that you hear about, you know, like Simon Legree and, 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 and things like that. However, it was slavery. They were owned. And when they would die, it was clear from the bright that, that people had a connection. So when it says, Ein om de malayim bishura, it implies the people that were closest to them aren't, you do not menachem them. Who are those people that would be close? The owner, right? Imagine the the shivcha is probably extremely close to her mistress. You know, in other words, the woman of the house. She probably dealt with her. They probably cooked together. They probably sat there and you know and you know uh, peeled beans together and 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 talked about the eating habits of the men together. So you can imagine that there was a right. She was she was the the intimate in the boudoir. So you can imagine that these were very, they formed very close relationships with maybe even closer. I mean, Rav Hanina Mendoza, when he explained, uh, I'm sorry, when Yochanan ben Zakkai wanted to explain why Hanina Mendoza was able to daven with so much uh, efficacy, and he couldn't. Yochanan ben Zakkai's son was saved by Hanina Mendoza's prayers. I'll tell you why in a second. I'll tell you why in a second. But 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 um, I'm going to get to Avrami's point because I already bavarned at that point that it could be his his wife and his children. But I think the closest people were the owner. Yochanan said to his wife, Yochanan ben Zakkai, Chanina Mendoza is like an evid. He can go into the master. Any moment. I'm a sar. I'm a general. I'm a lieutenant. 
I have to make an appointment. We have important meetings. We talk. We have the cabinet meeting. But the valet, the Evid, he's there when he wakes up in the morning. He brings him his toupee, right? <laughs> he brings, he, he knows stuff nobody else knows. He has a, an important, intimate relationship with them. And that's something which is unique. I, I'm not applauding it. I'm not, but it's a real, it's a reality, and it exists in a certain level even today. Now, Avrami says maybe what we're talking about is the other, or the avodim. Now, technically, here's the point. You're right. Technically, um, the Evid's child is his child, but not really. In other words, the child is also an Evid. For example, let's say the Evid has a, a son. The Evid doesn't have a mitzvah of teaching that son Torah, right? There is a caste system of avodim, and the, the, the family interaction is different. Um, the, the owner has a right. There's no kedushin between the Evid and his wife. Okay? There's no kedushin there. There's no, there's no sense of, right? She's not an Aishas Ish. She's a, she's a Shifcha. So you're right, Avrami. They probably were there too. And I already said they are probably there. But I think this primarily, when we're talking about who we're talking about, we're talking about the owners of those people. Now, what is Birchat Avelim? So Birchat Avelim, let's take a look at Rashi, because Rashi knows what bracha do you make? There's a bracha? What's what's the bracha? So Birchat Avelim, so Rashi says here, it's a little bit of a, Rashi says, let's take a look. Birchat Rechava. Okay, what's the Rechava? The rechava is from the word a, a, a wide space, a wide area. Rechav is wide. Shemivarin oto, that's the avel. Suda rishona. Mivarin hmm. is like the word bari, strengthen, giving them some something to to live for, really, because that's called the Sudas Havra'a. Havra'a is to get strong, like to be bari. So what you're doing is you are, uh, the Ovel has been in an emotional, terrible whirlwind. Now they're sitting down, the people are coming and giving them their first meal. And that's supposed to be others that do that that give strength, they're mavrinoto, that they strengthen them, they make them more bari. So that's an important event as well, to, to accepting the sudot from someone else. Your community will get you through it. That's part of what suda savro is. And over there, at that suda, there's a special birchat amazon that is said a special part of that meal, I guess, as they are benching from that meal, they make a, a special birchat avelim. And Rashi tells you where to find it. I'm not going to show it to you today, but it's a beautiful bracha 
that puts in perspective what's going on. Again, the incredible fusion of community and eating and putting into perspective the loss. That's what Birchat Avelim was. Okay? So the Ave, the, the Eve does not get that. And whether it's his, the, the woman that he's married to, the, 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 the spawn that he has created, the children that he has created, his children, who can, by the way, can be sold, to, right? Or his masters and mistresses. There's, we don't do that. Um, we do not make a special bracha for them. Now, Rashi doesn't say that we don't give them a suda savra. He says there's no birchat avelim. Right? So, I don't know. The next thing, if we look on the b'raise, is very much related to the Mishnah, tanchumei avelim. And tanchumei avelim means you assume the position, the avel sits low, the People who come say specific words. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to see what the chat is. Hang on, my friends. I'm going to move you over here so I can see the chat better. Um, okay, so he, so you're right, Sheila. This really brings up unusual relationships that we have today. Um, in other words, the assumption is there's going to be pain. But for an Evid and a Shivcha, we don't want this to happen. We don't want this to happen. Um, and this is really the issue, and you're right, you're hitting on it. Wait, this isn't family, right? This isn't one of the seven relatives that a Kohen makes himself Tomei for. So what is the what what is this right? So what's going on here? So actually this is a question that the Yershalmi, not the Bavli asks. This is a question that we who are studying Yershalmi, have Rami studies Yershalmi with me. The Yershalmi asks this question. The Bavli doesn't. Which is wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Avelus is only for this for the seven relatives. You're saying we don't do this for an Evid. And and there must be a specific reason why we don't. Why not? Right? So and she was correct. You definitely see, well, maybe there's a reason you don't do it for an Evid, but let's say there's a person who lived in your house. Let's say there's someone who Sheila says about uh, a um an adopted child, right? That's obviously a child. Not even um, adopted. If, if there's a, um, if it's a biological parent and child that McGuire's, they both right. became Jewish at the same time. Right. So, so, so technically, right. Yes. So I would say there, of course, there would be, there would be a Shiva at that point. Right. Because even though halakhically, they're not actually father and son, because they become like new people once they're McGuire, as, as she was pointing out. But clearly, there's, there's, that has to do with certain halachic issues um, about their halachic status. But Avelis really is about their human biological status, biological, emotional status. 
So what would be the reason why we don't, if it's about, again, biological, emotional status? I mentioned like when, 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 my, when the dog died. That's a reality. If, if you would be unsensitive to that, um, yeah, again, it's like, you, don't you realize how the person is in pain? The person has formed this connection. Um, so what would, and we're going to talk about animals soon, but, um, but again, there is a sense of being bavelut, which is the pain, the hurt, the fact that your life has been turned over. And clearly, I'm not trying to, uh, uh, what I'm trying to say is, is that, yes, halakhically, they're not father and son. But there's a bigger relationship than they are father and son, biologically, that we know. And therefore, Avelut really is, is, that's the world of Avelut. The world of Avelut in many ways is, is, is beyond halacha in many ways. Yet here, the laws of Avelut are, are uh, halacha is trying to limit and to, to, to structure Avelut in this way. Okay, Avrami brings up another point. What about where you have a situation, what's well, good for the goose should go for the gander. If we're saying someone who um, raises someone, someone who's, uh, and I, I know people in this, com- in this community and other communities that their parent abdicated and the child was raised somewhere else. And then that the person who actually raised the child passed away. Does that, and they called him a brother, is, would that person sit shiva? Halachically, and again, this has been a question I was asked when I was in Houston uh, about a step-parent. Uh, and I poskined, we had a lady in my shul, and I said she should sit shiva, and she should macabre people in the house, and they should have minyanim in the house. The other rabbi disagreed with me. But... Um, I, I believe, yes. Now, but it should, does that mean if someone was not a good parent, Avrami is asking, maybe he didn't raise the child, is there a chi of the sitchim? That's, that would be, that's the, that's the flip side of that situation. Um, someone who, right, we're not talking about a child who was a, a parent who was a Russia. That's a different halacha that, that, that Hilchas Havelos deals with, a parent who, who has, for other reasons. Um, but here, Halacha is trying to insert itself into an area that's, yes, primarily emotional. And because Halacha felt, look, we know that your emotions are, are important. Your, 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 your balance of, as a human being is really at, at stake here. But Halacha wants, when it comes to Okay, so uh, I answer that question in a second, Hannah. The halacha wants to structure it and say, look, we understand what's going on, but this should not be done. Why should this not be done? So there's nothing in Rashi. There's one little line of a tosvus. Why don't we do this for an Evid? Dilma, maybe, Asi, it, it will come, La Asuke, to uplift. Asik means to uplift. A maskona means uplift, meaning you've gotten to the end of the road. You're at the top of the hill. That's a maskona, like asik. 
asik. You've gotten up. Maybe you're going to uplift him. Liyuchasin. Because maybe people might think that this fellow, the one who died, was a Jew who was a child of the the person who was sitting Shiva or a, 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 an adopted son, but a kosher Jew. So the rabbis were afraid that if people remembered what was going on at that emotional moment, and, say, oh, and remember how it wasn't the antebellum South. These people would walk, again, the uh, Evid would walk around, and this gets, I'm going to answer your question now, Hannah. And Evid Ivory is a Jew who's working because he's paying off a debt because he stole or because his family is impoverished. And the only way he could actually get a huge sum in advance was by selling himself. And then the money would go to, I guess, his family. Or, he, or, or he, right? So that was an Evid Ivory. But he has all the mitzvahs that he always had. Whereas an Evid Knani or an Evid Nochri, Right, right. And Evan, he is basically, like I said before, in most cases, a, a conquered pagan who has been forced to accept this life. And, you know, and, and of course, many of them appreciated the fact that they had been living, you know, in, in, in the wilderness, in the wilds of, of of the other world. And now they had been brought into a beautiful Yiddish guide, as we say, <laughs> even though they were clearly second class. And halachically, we were worried. This is why halacha introduces itself. She says, look, look, we know what's going on here, and it's beautiful. We're not condemning it, but we're afraid because we're afraid because you didn't free that person. And, and he's still not free. And his, his children aren't free. They're all slaves. And there's an Avera to marry, for a, a free woman to marry one of them, or a free man to marry one to marry her, that's an aver. We don't want that happening. We want to keep the yichus of klal yisrael pure. So that's the I reason. Understand. That's the reason why we don't want that to happen. Yes. What did you want to say, Sheila? Well, the fact that Rav Gamliel said the reason is Tavi's kosher. Does, do we learn out from that that the assumption is most of Adam Kananim are not, and therefore to, we have to be distant from them so we're not influenced negatively, and therefore we shouldn't have that closer relationship to begin with? Yeah, okay. All right. I, you're jumping ahead here, but I yes, Gamliel's answer, in, in light of what we just read, <laughs> Gamliel's answer would mean something else. His answer would be, look, You'd be right by a regular Eved because you're, again, there's a bifurcation. On one hand, I love this guy. I'm so close that we feel them. But we, we, we can't have people, we can't entrench in people's memories this idea that they were part of the family. Tavi was so unique that everybody understood that it wasn't just because I liked the guy. We were close. We had a close relationship. He was kasher. There was something. There was something about him that people realized. We sat shiva for him. He's a. He's an evid kasher, as opposed to 
right? And in other words, everyone understood that that he was getting it not because of the physical, or the emotional relationship necessarily, but because he was being honored for for actual being better than everybody else as an Evid. In other words, it wasn't like he was an Evid, but he was the greatest Evid. He was an Evid who was not, uh, he was not a thief. He did not say, look, I don't got marriage laws about me. I can have relations with all these women, which is what many Avodim did. I mean, many Avodim said, look, okay, in other words, I could sleep with this slave girl tomorrow. Like there's no marriage by me. Imagine what that is. Again, we are bounded. We are bound by marriage laws, right? So we have Arison, Suin, she's an Ashish. In the Evans circle, there's no issues, ish, right? Right. So, and 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 if if the owner would say, using his uh, eugenic chart, he would say, well, if we put this strapping buck with this beautiful filly, we're going to get ourselves some real strong. You you can do that, right? And and the avodim, you know, the ones that didn't feel they were being dehumanized, would actually revel in that. And there was this sense that. Because those laws don't apply to them, there was a sense that maybe other morality doesn't apply to them either. And that's why the Evid, the Evid mentality was a mentality that played fast and loose with Geneva, Gazela, and everything else. So, yeah, Tavi was kosher in that way. So Tavi was so unique, and everybody knew he was unique in that way, I guess. So, therefore, it isn't about... Oh, this was my uh, the product. The pro- this is my son, the bum that I still loved, even though he did have errors. <laughs> this is the Evid. So, in other words, Tavi, everybody knew was an Evid. That I think is really the answer, based on if, based on Tosfos. That's what I would say the answer is. I hope I'm making it clear in that sense. That 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 that's what he was trying to say. He's saying, look, ain't Tavi Avdi Kishar Kolavodim. Because he's kosher, therefore, again, therefore, everyone realizes there's not going to be a sense Otavi was, was a free person, and Tavi's kids, in this case, might be free as well. Tavi was an Evid, and everyone realizes that I we're allowing this because it's honoring the Evid's life, and he clearly stays the Evid. There's no chance of seeing it that maybe, hey, was he Jewish? Was he a complete Jew? Was he ever free? So it's like almost, it's very much like, you know, in the 60s when people would say he was a credit to his race, right? That was the way they spoke about uh, in in the African-American world. You know, they would say, you're a credit to your race. And many of the the African-Americans that would nod Say yes, thank you, and you know, and, and of course, the revolutionary African Americans say, you know, we be credit to your race. We're humans like everyone else. We don't have to be better than everybody. But I think that's really, you know, that what I would say is is, is a parallel what was going on over there. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 